Hello, and welcome to the Fun and Sobriety Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan, and I am an alcoholic. Today is another solo episode of the Fun and Sobriety Podcast, so you're welcome. Uh, Today, I want to spend a little time talking about willpower, um, as is a common occurrence for this podcast. I have, uh, I'm re-recording an episode that I've already put in the can, as it were, um, one in which I recorded myself early in the morning reflecting on the same topic, basically, but when I went back and listened to it, it was very stream of consciousness and difficult to follow. And I didn't really get around to what I was hoping to get around to until the last like 20 minutes of it. And since it was um, 17 and a half hours, I felt like that wasn't a reasonable thing to actually uh, <laughs> publish. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the the topic of willpower came up a handful of times in the last, I don't know, several weeks of my day-to-day living and just having general conversations about sobriety and getting sober and staying sober and, you know, uh, talking with people who have varying levels of comfort with 12-step recovery programs uh, and admitting their own... um, Addictions, I guess, is the best. I don't know why I'm hemming on that. Um, you know, varying levels of comfort with admitting their own addictive, where they are in their own addictions or in the addictions of people that they're, you know, concerned about or, or their loved ones or, or whatever. I mean, there's a, a I want to call it a fundamental misunderstanding uh, out there when it comes to willpower and drug and alcohol abuse and, 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 uh, you know, especially alcohol, uh, especially alcoholism, um, because alcohol is such a pervasive drug. I mean, everybody drinks, right? Everywhere you go, there's alcohol available. It's, it's a social thing. It's a, it's a socially accepted thing. I mean, it's legal, so it's fucking everywhere. Um, and most adults, you know, most most people above the age of 15 even, I would say, but especially adults over 22, 23, you know, have their own experience, personal experience with, with alcohol in some way, uh, which gives everyone the false sense Okay, I I look at it as a false sense that, uh, you know, it affects everyone more or less the same, right? Because everyone gets a little tipsy. Everyone starts to feel that warmth in their stomachs when they have a couple of drinks. And then you have that kind of relaxation, the the lack of, you know, the the release of inhibitions or whatever you want to call it that appears universal and probably is universal, right? I don't know. If we put everyone up on an MRI scanner, you'd, you'd see more or less the same biochemical response to the, to the, to the, the chemical, you know, the, the alcohol in your brain, the inebriation, you know, from person to person, enough that it's a universal thing. Yet, we don't all respond to it uh, in the same way, I don't know, uh, metaphysically. Um, and there's a definite difference between my response to that feeling inside of me of getting a nice, that nice warm buzz feeling. There's definitely a different response to that for me than to lots of people I know in my life, people I care about who, you know, can take it or leave it. Right. And, you know, I call those people normies, right? Like someone who's got a normal brain chemistry response to the presence of drugs and alcohol. I, I keep including drugs. I mean, I, I, this is personal for me. Like I, I was never uh, an avid user of highly addictive drugs beyond alcohol. So my experiences with alcohol, I'm, I am a, I am a bona fide alcoholic. You guys, there's no question in my mind and anybody who's was out there with me and watching me and partaking in my activities 
as I was drinking, would disagree that Dylan is an alcoholic. Um, but I keep, you know, trying to be more general and say drugs and alcohol because it's true. Uh, you know, I think at a fundamental level, the, the reaction of the addict is basically the same. It's just one chemical versus another. Blah, 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 blah. Point is... <laughs> Well, and also, you know, you know, we don't have to delineate between, you know, recreational heroin use versus, you know, addictive heroin use. There's there's not enough recreational heroin users out there who are going to try and stand for the idea that, no, you know, some people can use it responsibly uh, so that 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 part of the discussion doesn't even really happen as it does with alcohol. Right. Because that's the point. People who don't have the addictive response, the the, um, you know, I. Uh, it's commonly referred to in 12-step rooms and recovery center rooms and uh, wherever as an allergic response. And, and I, I use that as a metaphor, I guess, I'm, or I'm not, I, I don't have any idea if it's truly an allergic response. I don't know what an allergy is beyond like, you know, it, it, you, your body has some weird unexpected response to some uh, external thing that doesn't affect everybody. So in that regard, it is an allergic response, but I don't know if there's an actual biochemical thing that defines allergies one way that wouldn't work for this. I, I don't, I, whatever. It's just a, an idea that is consistent, right? And, and people who don't have that kind of allergic body response, the response that causes you to, you know, take a couple drinks and then obliviate everything and get rid of all other concerns in your life to one extent or another to a destructive extent at the expense of all things in your life to get more of that feeling uh you know people who there's plenty of people who don't have that response you know and it's um enough people that you can get away with referring to them as like the standard people the normal people i, I don't know i i'm guessing it's all on a spectrum you know, it, it comes down to an inability to truly define what a sober conscious state is in any, you know, useful way, because it's kind of impossible to define what a conscious state is, let alone what is so sober versus inebriated versus partially inebriated where state, you know, so it's, it's all on a spectrum, whatever. There are people who can take it or leave it. And there are people who cannot. There are people for, for whom the allergic body response is immediate and all-consuming, or at least it, it gets there quick. And, yeah, I, I'm comfortable saying that the majority of people don't have that allergic response um, to alcohol especially. And as such, you know, it's it's a socially accepted, you know, lubricant, a social lubricant. It's, it's just out there. Lots of people, you know, the, the drink, they won't get hammered every time. They'll just have a few drinks and feel good and then move on with their lives. And it's, it, it's not even an unreasonable point of view to just default to, to assume that, you know, because, you know, as somebody, you know, if, if speaking, you know, if you're someone who can just take it or leave it, it's not unreasonable to just assume that someone who can't just take it or leave it, someone who's got the allergic response and an alcoholic, it's not an unreasonable thing to look at the alcoholic and just see it as a lack of willpower because from the position of someone who doesn't have the allergic response to it, that person does just use willpower, right? Like if you can take it or leave it, then yeah, of course you can just leave it. That's the whole second half of that take it or leave it description. And thereby, from the perspective of someone who can just take it or leave it and who has never been personally impacted by an addict and insofar as never having to spend more than a few seconds thinking about it, you know, it's a simple thing to be like, yeah, it's just a lack of willpower. And, and, uh, when I was early into trying to get sober, I guess I, I'm fumbling through how to say that because I, I don't want to put judgmental words in here. Um, words of, uh, you know, I don't want to say when I was trying to get better, right? Because it's that that implies it implies a whole state of conditions that I'm not meaning to imply, right? Like I, 
as an addict, I wasn't worse. I mean, my life was worse off and I was, I was behaving in a way that was causing more destruction in my life rather than less. And so in that regard, it was worse and I was worse, but I, 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 I don't want to put judgment words in there because it, it just puts every, it puts the whole conversation in a state that I'm not trying to be in. And it, actually that goes straight to the misunderstanding of this being a battle of wills, a willpower, uh, something that can be addressed by willpower alone. Right. My experience early in uh, attempting to get sober, I, you know, I, I had that position, right? Like it, it, the idea that I couldn't just handle my shit without anything beyond, you know, it, it seemed silly to me. It seemed weak to me to think that I couldn't just stop, right? I mean, there was... Early on, when when I first attempted to not drink, when I first attempted to be, you know, I'll put air quotes around it, sober, because I don't feel like that's a sober state. Um, Although at the time, yeah, obviously I was sober because I wasn't putting alcohol in my system, but I don't consider that, you know, it's like sober with a lowercase s or something. Um, Because it was just willpower driven, because I, I was approaching it from that same perspective of a normal person, let's say, who, yeah, a normal person can take it or leave it. I want to be a normal person, so I am going to put myself in a state of leaving it, and I will thereby force myself into believing that I can take it or leave it. And maybe if I just maintain that position long enough, I can live the rest of my life in pretending I can take it or leave it, right? Because that's where willpower gets me. Um, because fundamentally, I, I'm, I'm, I'm an alcoholic. So fundamentally, I, I can't just not drink and hope to have a permanent solution, a permanent uh, reprieve from the drink. And I suppose right here is where I have to say this has been my experience. And, you know, I don't, I'm not speaking universally, um, <clears throat> but that's words. I, I genuinely believe that for someone who has, you know, who, who is, is incapable of stopping drinking once I started, you know, it's for someone like me, anyone out there who is even close to that, I don't believe willpower is going to work. I believe you can, maybe, willpower won't keep you safe forever, right? Like, possibly you can craft your entire world in a way that, you know, you, you avoid the drug forever, you don't ever put yourself in a dangerous position. You surround yourself with pious religious people who are teetotalers also, and you all just support each other. I mean, there's any number of things that can be done uh, from a straight willpower perspective. I mean, hell, I, I, I couldn't do it, but I can see some people being like capable of such strong head, you know, (laughs) boneheaded is the way I think of it is just like, so, you know, I am so, so ready to prove the world wrong that they will, you know, sustain themselves for basically the rest of their lives as a teetotaler, never having touched a a drop again. And, uh, I suppose part of why I say that's not sustainable is I don't, I mean, what's the point if there's no point in, in doing anything like that, if it, all it does is enhance this sense of ego and personal pride and uh negativity right like i I guess i'm 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 trying to get the right word there but it, it it feels nasty and negative like when i was in my willpower when i was you know when i put the drink down and was like i don't drink anymore now and i put it there and i just said that's it that's it and like you know 
no other discussion of it is going to happen because I don't drink anymore. That's just it. Why don't I drink anymore? I just don't. Like, And again, I, I suppose it is just my experience. Obviously, it's just my experience, but it feels universal to anybody who's trying to just use willpower to keep away from the drink. <clears throat> All I was doing was not drinking, right? Which is to say my willpower put me in a place where for, you know, outside of my body you know outside of the 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 never-ending stream of thoughts and emotions and feelings and and things going through my brain um you know I just I was I was air quotes sober but inside there was always always a sense of not drinking always a sense of I'm going to avoid the drink there was it was not it was not so much that I was no longer I I was still thinking about it. I guess that's just it. Like willpower for me. And I presume for anybody who is using willpower to overcome something so powerful as this kind of an allergy, this kind of an addiction, all that's happened is I'm no longer actually putting my hand out and grabbing the, the substance and bringing it to my lips. Right. I'm no longer physically putting it in my system but I'm still obsessing over it. I'm still thinking about it. I'm still, you know, at the dinner party, fully consciously aware of exactly where every glass is on the table, of exactly where the bottles are in the kitchen, where, how much is left in those bottles, right? Like, as much as I'm pretending that that's not what's going on, that is 100% what was going on. Like, I just wasn't drinking. And that's what willpower means to me as an addict, right? As an alcoholic, the the idea that I can just have willpower over this need of mine to continue feeding the demon, to continue filling the, trying to fill the void, any fluffy language I want to use, my use of willpower to overcome that it's like a shield, right? It's not really, you know, it's, it's like putting a shield up to protect myself from the onslaught and attack. And that's only going to work so long as I'm constantly vigilant about holding that shield up to protect myself. And the difference between that and like what I feel recovery is, is, you know, holding that shield up to protect against the the constant onslaught versus taking an entirely different route so that the onslaught never even occurs, right? Like one of those is much more sustainable from a long-term living perspective, right? Like if I have to walk through an embattlement, then I'm constantly having to protect myself at every moment in any breath, any second that I drop my guard, I'm susceptible to attack that is not anywhere near as sustainable as simply taking an entirely different route that has none of that onslaught coming and where I can look over and see all of the things that I would be fighting if I were trying to walk through that way but I don't I register like I don't need to and you know that that's kind of an allegory for like admitting that I'm a fucking alcoholic and I can't fight it on my own so I'm not even going to try. I'm going to go some other way and just let the fucking fighting be done by someone else who wants to to deal with that, right? I mean in in my years in recovery and my years of sobriety and seeing people and meeting different people along the way and and where you know different points of their own sobriety along the way, I met plenty of people who just want to keep having that fight. And especially people who, you know, register enough that they have an issue with drinking, register that, you know, they're probably alcoholic, that they, whatever that means to them, that they need to do something about it. And, and so they, you know, like myself early in, they, they're like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing something about it. I'm not drinking. And that's, you know, that's like, that's like a quarter of step zero of like not drinking is like, that's the bare minimum to get started in recovery. But it's also the kind of thing that can be confused as the end goal, right? The end goal is 
the end goal of recovery is to have a life that's worth living is to have a, a you know to have a free existence and not be encumbered by the alcohol by the drug right not be encumbered by it in any way you know it's it's I don't know. I don't want to go down the path of being esoteric. I feel like I do that enough. Um, but yeah, I mean, at some point, the idea of recovery is recovering my life so that I can have a life, right? Like when when I was when I was drinking and. <laughs> even before I realized or was willing to acknowledge that it was problematic drinking, that like it was more than just simply a heavy drinker. It was more than just somebody who got drunk more than most people. It was more than just being somebody. It was more than just someone who hid alcohol around the house and, you know, <laughs> lied about how much I was drinking on any given day. Right. Like, you know, if, if, whatever even when i was in my early 20s it was like yeah i had four beers you know that meant 10 right like even if it it just seemed like safer to be like yeah four beers sounds like a, a reasonable amount to have had it for dinner not 10 <laughs> but even before all of that i mean i i <sighs> i wasn't living right like that even before it was a genuine bona fide no shit problem in my life. And I was, you know, at that point still doing it, even though it was clearly a problem, it was always there. There was always, it was always clear to me, the little inner me, the little guy who would wake up in peculiar locations around my house, sometimes with pee on me. I hope it was my own pee. I mean, it was all over my crotch in the floor where I was sitting. Um, you know, that, that kid, that, that, that little, little kid, I knew there was, I knew I was not okay. I knew I wasn't doing it right. I knew, I knew I needed to not be doing what I was doing, but I was still going to keep drinking. I was still going to keep going for that filling that void right like I, I loved it I fucking loved it I loved that feeling I loved the way it made me feel I loved the way how it made me feel free I loved all of the things I loved that little buzz I loved I loved it I loved it I loved it so yeah you know it was easy to be yeah this doesn't feel right but eh, it's just the cost of being me I guess and uh you know I I guess this is walking me towards the second part of, of what I want to talk about here and, and what was what I was trying to talk about in the recording that I'm I'm not going to release that nobody needs to hear. Um is the you know I'm talking about using willpower and and how to me willpower is just it's a hopeless endeavor if I want to have long-term sobriety to, to rely on willpower alone. It's just never going to work. I'm not going to get sober. I might be able to stay dry for a while. That whole like embattlement analogy I just made. But beyond that, why, you know, it, and this is just a trick of language, I suppose, but, but part of why I feel willpower fundamentally doesn't make sense beyond that it's just a you know it's just a an inverse response to something it's it's pretending not to think about something that's all that I'm thinking about there's also just this sense that I don't even the the idea that I even have my own free will to do basically anything isn't real right like Part of what I've experienced over the years of my recovery and reflecting more on what it means to be a sober person and that, you know, what it means to be sober and what it means to be a human in sobriety and be living my life has led me kind of down a, 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 <laughs> a philosophical wormhole here. And I can't help but see addiction, alcoholism, as like the purest uh, example 
of our, my own lack of, of a free will, right? Like, obviously, when I was active in my drinking and, and, and you know, constantly just dropping liquor into my system and not being able to stop, right? Like, the idea that I was free to choose to do that, I mean, that that is, that's the whole point. Like, I the idea of willpower of what I was just going through, what I was just describing there, like I I couldn't stop, right? Like the idea that I could just use my own like strength of personality to say, I'm going to stop doing this. Like it, that was, I was incapable of that, especially at the end when I was really, really like going down towards the very bottom or what I fucking hope is my very bottom. I, I was beyond all hope. There was no, I had no choice. Like I woke up every day, I was shaking, I had to drink. And even if I didn't want to continue through the day, I I had I, I would find myself doing it before I was even aware I was doing it. It was a knee jerk, it was a reflexive response to every minute of every breath that I took was a reflexive desire to have more drugs in me, to have more alcohol cuz I just wanted to have that feeling. I didn't even register that that was what I wanted. I just wanted it. And it was, you know, that's part of why, especially at that point, it's not a lack of, uh, it's not a lack of desire. It's not a lack of, of my own ability to inflict my own will upon my behavior. That's keeping me from doing it because I don't have any ability to choose at that point. My life is just going this way. And, you know, it's part of why it feels like such a spiral. It's part of why it feels hopeless and why a lot of us just fucking die because it is that we don't have a choice. We are moving on autopilot and autopilot is leading us to destruction, right? And that's an easy thing once we accept it, right? Once that first step kicks in and we just accept you know, the first step being I, I accept that I'm powerless over alcohol and, and my life is unmanageable. Right? That's what that means. Like, I, I have no free will anymore. I am just in it. Everything I do, everything I do is for the continuation of this self-abusing um, behavior. I, I have, like, I, 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 I've experienced that notion of like going and like, I'm just going to have a couple of drinks. And then five hours later, I'm fucking destroyed. And I genuinely cannot conceive of how I got there. Right. Like I went, I was consciously going to have one, maybe two. And then it's two in the morning and I've had 198 and I can't fucking remember where my car keys are, which is probably good because I'm going to drive. Like the idea that I have any fucking free will in the middle of that is completely gone. And this is, this is a leap, I suppose, for some people because you're not sitting inside my brain. So there's certain elements of this that I'm, I'm going to be terrible at articulating in a way that will convince every person listening that this is for sure how it is. But this is certainly how it feels because once I got into recovery, once I admitted that I just couldn't fight this anymore and I had to, I had to do something different, you know, and then for me, I, I, I gave up. I, 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 I admitted that, you know, this was it. Like, I, I can't fight this anymore. That that's what that willpower was. I was fighting it. I was fighting it. I, I can't fight it because all that happens is eventually my guard gets down. Eventually I don't want to fight it as much as I just want to give into it. And I'm going to get fucked up and I let go of that. And, and I was just like, yeah. I'm fucking lost. I can't do this and reached my hand out for help. And there was people there to help me and they helped me through it. Right. And I, I went to a treatment center. I went to a couple of treatment centers, but each of those experiences were, you know, the second time, especially was a deeper giving myself over to this just fundamentally like my whole core person was like, I can't do this anymore. I can't, I'm done. I have to do something new. And these people were there and they offered me ideas and they, they, they said, Hey, just follow this, do what we're doing here. Follow these instructions, follow these, you know, follow these steps, right? Like I, I use the 12 steps. I they're there because 
they're there to help you and they will help you if you want to be helped by them, right? It's, it's as simple as that. And I chose them and I, and I went with them and I found recovery and my life has gotten better and I'm 10 and a half years. I'm almost 11 years, I guess. I don't know. It's, it's in April. So however long from today that is, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a fundamentally, everything about my life is better. It's different. I've got a different perspective on life. I've got a different outlook. I've got different possibilities. You know, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's easy to say I got different possibilities than when I was fucking hammered because there were no possibilities. I was going to just drive right into the wall, uh, over and over until I died. But even before that, before I had gone so far as to lose all control and lose all sense of balance in my life and ability to do anything but that, my life is better than that even. Because I, through recovery, I'm, I'm able to see myself. I'm able to find myself as a person. You know, I got, I, I, I use the, I use the, the term, I, I, my legs are back under me, right? Like that's, that was somewhere in early recovery. I found myself balanced on my legs again. And, and like I was, I had a solid grounding and I was able to step forward and take one step and another step and things were getting better, you know, and, and it was this subtle, slow shift because that's really what it takes, especially in that early recovery period right like all of our instincts we we've lost our ability to have anything but the drink right everything we do is to get more drink everything we do is a subtle shift towards the next drunk right like if we are honest with ourselves that is the truth right no matter what we were doing somewhere in there was a maneuvering so that 11 steps down the line you know it's like a massive chessboard we're going to make this little tiny shift over here that looks like it's going this way but it's because our objective is over there and that's where we're going to get you watch we're going to get there right like everything about my life was towards that next drink towards that filling that void and recovery helped me breathe through those moments, right? Like if every little tiny shift to the left is an subtle attempt to get all the way over there so I can get that drink, I need to figure out a way to stop taking that subtle little shift to the left, right? Like, and that's what early recovery gave me was like an ability to, it, it would overcome me. Like this thirst would come over me like a wave and I could just not just smell, I could smell and taste and hear and just feel vodka. Like it was this wave that came over me. And, you know, I, I was fucking lucky enough to be in a treatment center because I don't know that how many of those waves that would come over me every, I don't even know. It felt like every two minutes it would come over me and I would just have this overwhelming need to fill it, need. It was like this thirst doesn't seem sufficient for how much I wanted that fucking drink and I was able to just breathe and with each breath and each time that I was able to let that pass through me it was a subtle shift away from that directionality towards the drink and it was just a subtle subtle each breath was just one subtle shift just a little tiny nudge right like trying to steer a fucking ocean tanker right like a little tiny adjustments tiny adjustments and eventually the entire course of the ship has been changed from towards the drink to away and it just takes what it takes and slowly over time that became a reflexive thing so that I was no longer having to consciously think about it. I was no longer getting overwhelmed by that that by that thirsty wave, right? Like it, it all came together. I'm, I'm, it wasn't like the wave went away and then I was able to shift and it wasn't because I was shifting that the wave went away. It's all together, right? It was all this whole thing moving in conjunction because I was slowly but surely getting my legs under me and steering the ship a little bit further and further away from destruction right and now it's been years and it's a much more natural thing I'm no longer in a state where I'm 
I don't, I don't perpetually think about alcohol. I mean, I do, I do it for this podcast because I'm trying to like connect with people and, and offer my experience, but I'm not walking around on a daily basis. Like, Whoa, gotta, gotta remember, gotta, gotta breathe, gotta breathe. Gotta, I, mean, I mean, I was early in, you know, I, alcohol is fucking everywhere. Everywhere you go, there's a fucking beer commercial or, or a billboard for Zima or something, right? Like, and yeah, early in, it was like, oh God, it's just like constant, constantly being bombarded. And like, I just have to breathe and just like, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And that shift, you know, has led me to where I am now, like slowly, slowly, but surely one step after another. I'm now standing here with my legs under me solid recovery, right? And as I've said before, like solid recovery just means like I'm I'm living my life in a much more beautiful, fulfilling way. I'm not fully fulfilled by any stretch, but compared to what it was, man, it is so much more beautiful. And and I I I'm pausing here because I don't I don't want to lose people. But contained within this recovery for me has been a growing awareness that 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 inability to choose, that powerlessness, that lack of personal will of the lack of free will that I was experiencing in the throes of my addiction that at a deep core underlying level that's still there right and it's it's no longer perverted and being directed towards such self-destructive behavior as you know such clearly self-destructive behavior as as drinking and and obliviating on a <laughs> daily if not hourly basis but it's still there. And I I don't know I don't know that it's because of my recovery that I've come to this, although that's a silly statement because everything in my life today is because I'm in have recovery, right? Like I wouldn't have anything without it. So even this awareness is contained in that, obviously. And because because part of my path, my, you know, my moving through recovery has included attempts at meditation, attempts at self-reflection and, you know, mindfulness. And with that comes an awareness of, you know, I don't want to get too esoteric here, but it's an awareness that the, the self is in itself an illusion, right? Like I in trying to walk through what the idea of, you know, sobriety is, being a sober person, like a, what is, what does it mean to even just be me? Like, what, what is me? I am, <laughs> what is me? What am I? <laughs> what is me? You know, I am my collection of experiences and memories and the narrative that walks through the contemplation of my life, right? Like that's all I am. So any given moment, I am the sum total of what I can recall about myself. I mean, that sounds weird, but if you think about it, it, it's the truth about you as well, right? As the listener, all you really are is the sum of your own experiences and the collective, you know, how you've collected those into a narrative that defines you as you, within you and then the same similar set of conditions that other people use to reflect on who you are when they see you, right? But it's all just a series of, of ideas and thoughts and memories and, and emotions and, you know, this miasma of stuff that we call ourself and that, you know, that that's fine, right? And we walk around and, and I'm Dylan and this is, you know, I, I remember I did this and, and um, when certain things happen, I respond this way because that's my personality and, you know, all the things that make up our psychology and everything. <laughs> but, you know, the the whole point of mindfulness, or at least the way I've, I've come to see it, is an awareness that, you know, 
when we try and calm ourselves and we have an awareness that, you know, our thoughts are also just part of this thing that's happening in our body in in a similar way that, you know, the biorhythm of, of our, I don't know, our biorhythms, you know, the way our, our blood flows through our body, our thoughts flow through our, our mind, you know, and our mind implying consciousness so that if I really, really get calm and think about it or, or don't think about it as a, as a more, I want to say accurate way of putting it, but it's, it's possible. It's very difficult to contemplate not thinking about something because the whole act of that is thinking, right? And that's the whole spiral that leads to the notion of, wait a minute, who, 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 who's down here thinking about me not thinking about not thinking about me not thinking, right? Like there's this infinite feedback loop, which leads to an awareness that, oh, all these thoughts are just things that are streaming through and they come and they go. And I really don't have any, any control over them, right? Like they just kind of come and then I, whatever that means, see it and register it and and am aware of it. And then another thought comes and another idea comes and then another emotion comes. And at a fundamental level, at the level of like anything that happens inside of my mind. And since anything that happens inside of my mind and inside of my consciousness is the sum total of who I am. I don't, I don't know what that means to be whoever that is or whatever that is. And I clearly don't have any control over it. Right? Like, I can't control what the next thought coming through my consciousness is. I can't direct it. I can steer it towards things that I've thought about before and, and have like a stream of consciousness that, you know, contemplates things. I mean, obviously, I overthink basically everything that I ever think about. So clearly, there's some kind of narrative direction that I can go down. But at a deep, deep level, there's no control of that. It just happens. And that's absolutely the same as the experience I had when I would just suddenly be putting liquor in my mouth, right? Like, I had no control over that. And <laughs> and I'm not just trying to wedge in this notion of a lack of free will into my recovery. It It, it, it is a perfect analogy. It's a perfect allegory for deep internal lack of any true free will as in like there isn't a me in here a right underlying all of this is I can't find what that means in the first place but let's put it aside and say I have something in here that's this internal observer independent from my thoughts somehow I still don't have any control over those thoughts they're still coming through and it's the same experience as when I was fucked up all the time. It's just I was fucked up all the time, so you don't even think about it. It's just You're just like, what the fuck is going on? And it, again, like recovery and especially, well, my experience is the 12 steps, so I, I'm going to say especially 12 steps, but I don't know if it's especially. It just, just happens to be. But But people that I've met in recovery, we all basically acknowledge this, but the terminology we use sidesteps the issue um, probably fundamentally because it's deeper and more confusing than it needs to be, especially in order to stay sober, especially to stay in recovery. But it's there. I mean, we are perpetually, especially people who attend program meetings, especially people who you know discuss this in any kind of collective uh, uh, group, referencing the powerlessness we all experience over alcohol. We, we refer to like alcoholic thinking, right? Like that's, you know, whatever. I got in a fight with my kid over blah, blah, blah. And, and that's just my alcoholic thinking, thinking that I can control them. That's just my alcoholic mind wanting to control the situation, right? Like we, we use this word, this alcoholic mind as a catch-all for some vague notion that we 
have like you know a lot of us a lot of the time especially it feels like it's like a separate person inside of us this this you know nasty person this ugly person this alcoholic person you know and, and I, we're like that's our alcoholic mind thinking you know that's our alcoholic and you know we we use that term to collectively describe that indescribable sensation of like what the fuck was that where did that come from but if you boil that down if you really contemplate what that means because it's not a separate person it's still just inside of us all of us are again just this series of experiences and thoughts and memories and emotions that get strung together in some kind of narrative that we are either present for and aware of, or we are not, but it is just that, that is our mind just kind of going. And so we, we use, you know, it's again, it's like we use this language of recovery, this language of 12 step programs, especially to sidestep, this exact notion that we don't have control, right? I mean, that's one of the fundamental tenets is we have no control, lack of control. And, and again, we use, we use the idea of giving that our will and our lives over to the care of a higher power, right? That's one of the tenets. We give our will over to the higher power. So again, we're acknowledging in a conscious way that we have no true like that our own will and again that's this is just a trick of language i suppose because we're referring to our willpower being not sufficient in that in that condition right we turn our will over because we know that our own willpower left to our own devices we're gonna fuck it up i'm gonna eventually my shield is gonna come down and i'm gonna get hammered but also as we get more sobriety we begin to apply that whole thing, that whole sense, that whole 12-step recovery, our whole sense of recovery to everything in our lives, right? Like removing the alcohol and getting our legs under us helps give us a more stable way to walk through and experience the rest of our lives. And it works so well there, we start to apply it to every aspect of our lives. And that becomes like, you know, we call it like emotional sobriety, right? Like we get more and more emotionally sober. And again, that gets back to what does that mean? What does it mean to be a sober conscious versus a non-sober conscious? Like, where is the measurement? How do you put an MRI scanner on someone who's not had any foreign chemical in their system in decades? You know, two different people, but one who has more emotional sobriety than the other. Is there going to be a different lighting up inside of their brains? Who fucking knows, right? Like, how do you have any concept of true emotional sobriety? Right, We apply all of these conditions and we begin to reflect upon what it means to us in our lives, even in recovery. Like, what does it mean to give my will over to a higher power? Right, And to me, that's again, that's just a sidestep, sidestepping the conscious awareness that I don't have a will, right? Like, I don't have free will. And we use that, you know, I give my will to my higher power and then we reflect on it and think, okay, yeah, so this decision I made here, when I when I was trying to control the boat, when I was trying to control the ship and control the show, I kept like pushing my own ego and my own will and it just wasn't working out. So I gave it up and gave it over. You know, people talk about this. I gave it over to God and just asked for a direction and, and if, you know, and suddenly, you know, the correct path was in front of me. That is a internal awareness that you don't have the ability to control anything, right? And so that this is, to me, one of the beautiful things about 12-step recovery, honestly, is that it takes a very systematic approach and brings it to a Western culture, for lack of a better description. Like we live in, I live in a Western culture. Most of the people I experience in my day-to-day life, year to year, are from a Western culture. Like we're, we're built on this, like, whatever. This this system of thinking, this approach to spirituality is very heavily influenced by Christianity and, and whatever baggage comes with that. But this 12-step program, these guys put this crap together in the, you know, the early 30s. 
and came up with a systematic way, or at least they adopted the systematic way and, and modified one that was already in existence to some extent to walk us through changing our lives for the better. And from the moment I saw that, from the moment that I like truly felt it and understood what, what I needed to do, or I didn't even understand what I needed to do. I just understood that I needed to do something different and I was going to give myself over and make, make an attempt at this. I realized as I gave myself to it, that what this was doing was basically a Western approach to like, I don't know, more of like a Buddhist idea of enlightenment of like having a better existence, right? Cause that is the whole idea that the recovery is having a better human existence and improving my human existence I'm going to have a little tiny impact on everyone around me. And if those people are all having a, you know, a positive, better human experience, we're just going to a collective improvement of human experiences. And it's going to just be, um, attractive to other people who want that, right? That's, that's what going to a room of Alcoholics Anonymous often feels like if it feels good, it's because there's that, because everyone in there to some extent wants to have a more improved human experience. And by virtue of that, it's just reflecting in the other people around them and causing a a more beautiful experience, right? That's, that's the whole reason recovery works for me is because I feel that in me and I feel it from others. And there's just a camaraderie, a fellowship, a, a, a beautiful love between us as just fundamental people. And all of that feels like an Eastern philosophy has been snuck in the back door of a Western approach to spirituality and all of that nonsense. And so, you know, at some point when I started thinking about then, you know, like meditation leads to an awareness that the self is in it is in itself an illusion. And because of that illusion of the self, so is the idea of any sense of free will also an illusion. And look at that. It's right there in the program that I've been using to improve who my experience is, improve who I am, improve my life, right? Like I turned my will over to the care of you know, a higher power, which for me is just a sense of spirituality and a connection to the universe inside of me, right? It's all self-contained. And all of this is, it's just one beautiful miasma of recovery. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't feel like this is some fundamental breakthrough moment. It just is an idea that has been, I don't know, gaining more traction inside of my head as I think about it. And then I'm I'm hoping to share it here, right? That's why I've spent the last 20 minutes or so talking about it in a way that I hope is relatable and not, um, it doesn't turn someone off, right? Because it, it, never acknowledging a lack of free will, never acknowledging the, the sense of self is an illusion isn't critical to recovery. It is just where my recovery has landed me in a way that I didn't expect, right? But it's not critical. It's just something that I've come to understand. And I suppose trying to articulate it here for the last few minutes is, you know, an attempt to make it relatable to other people or I'm hoping it's relatable to other people. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how successful I've been at this. I don't know how esoteric and, and banana sounding it, 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 it may actually be coming out because, um, it's difficult to articulate. I mean, it, it's difficult to articulate anything spiritual and this is fundamentally a spiritual idea, right? Like deep down, I don't have any real sense. I don't know. I don't have any like, there's no sense of self. Like I, I, it's just difficult to talk about, right? Like anytime trying to explain our sense of spirituality, our sense of, of a higher power, our sense of how the universe unfolds, like all of that is so far beyond our true ability to articulate, let alone understand 
that it all just sounds like mumbo jumbo and goony stuff. And, and that's why we often just go, well, you know, I just give it to God. It all falls under that same kind of heading. And this is, again, I, I'm, I'm hoping to walk my way through by talking about it here, by journaling about it and, and, and my, in my free time, a way of making it more palatable and relatable which is to say I freely accept that maybe I haven't done a very good job of that right here, right now. Because I started with the idea of willpower, which fundamentally for me didn't work. I couldn't use my willpower to overcome my need to be drunk because my need to be drunk was all-consuming. And through that, I realized that it's not a lack of willpower, it's a lack of... Uh, connection with myself, I guess. I, I don't know. I don't know if lack is even like walking myself into that by using the term lack walked me into a corner, right? Like it's not a lack of willpower. It's that I have an allergy and a, an addiction and I'm always going to get drunk and I need to come up with, I need to follow a different path if I want to have any hope of actually recovering from this. And through that switching directions, through that trusting that this tiny little step towards a different path was going to lead me in a direction that made it so that I was no longer fighting my addiction. I was just, you know, like a ninja, like not a ninja, like a jujitsu move, like taking that and just flowing past it. So it was not even an issue. And in through that came an awareness that not only was my willpower not sufficient to protect me against drinking for the rest of my life, it's not that my willpower wasn't strong enough. It's also that I just don't even really have any free will to begin with. So the illusion that I can use any willpower from the go was based off of a complete fabrication, right? Like I don't have the will to do anything fundamentally, let alone control this overwhelming urge and need inside of me, you know, to fill the void, to, to get fucked up. Now, I believe if someone had brought that to my attention early in recovery, I would have just kind of scratched my head at them and moved on because that's not helpful, right? This is not necessarily something to be, no, this is definitely not something to be like haggling over in early recovery. Early recovery, just give up fighting. Just accept that you can't fucking you don't have any control over fucking alcohol. You don't have any control over yourself once you let a little bit of alcohol in your system. And that, by definition, makes you unmanageable, right? Like, boom, that's all you need. Move through it. Step on. I mean, this is something that's come to me years into recovery. And it's an awareness that I'm not even super comfortable talking about with my close friends in recovery. I just feel the urge to talk about it today because I'm a masochist, I guess. But it's the kind of thing that, you know, it's, it's another tier. It's once the fog has been lifted and I've got my legs under me and I'm in recovery, I'm living my life and I'm applying the same approach of, you know, selflessness, like removing my selfishness and becoming, you know, a more solid grounded person that I've come to realize this deeper, you know, again, this, this, this Eastern philosophy idea is kind of snuck in the back door and suddenly I found it sitting here and it is congruent with the rest of this shit that I've gone through and it doesn't disrupt anything and it, it makes it just as palatable for me. And it's consistent with the, the notion that like, I, I don't have any real control over anything in my life. I don't have any control over what brought me to this condition. I, I don't have any control over my grandparents, grandparents, grandparents who got together and then they had the next kid and they had the next. I have no control over all of the random events that led to my existence. And I have very little control over, I have no control over all of those things that happened from, you know, moment of birth to today, right? I've been able to steer my path one way or another, but all of those moments in which I could make a decision to move, you know, step to the left versus step to the right or whatever the benign little choices were, all of those were contingent on 
absolutely things that were absolutely out of my control to get me there in the first place, right? And even if I think that they weren't, when I think about what that means to even think, I realize I can't even control that. Like I'd have no control over anything. It's all just things happening. All the conscious ideas are just ideas that stream across my, my, my consciousness. And yeah, I'm aware that if I follow the narrative one direction, it's going to lead towards a better result than another. But even in that, we don't have it, true control over that. Catastrophic events can happen. External events can happen. Other people can happen, right? And we're all comfortable with that. We're all comfortable with like, well, you know, we'll make plans and God laughs or whatever that, that, whatever that expression is, right? Like all of that is us acknowledging for a moment we don't really have control over anything. But that's psychologically unsettling. It's a little bit frightening. And it's an easy thing to also abuse into thinking fatalistically about existence, which I don't really adhere to. I mean, that's a catch-22 or kind of a paradox of like, things that happened are exactly what were going to happen. There's no way to change that. But I also know, you know, if I don't drink, I'm not going to get drunk. So I have that measure of control, right? And that is consistent with the lack of free will because I've slowly moved myself away from a condition where I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop grabbing the alcohol. I, like I said, I took small measures, one breath at a time. I slowly steered that ship so that in that moment, the reflexive desire is no longer to drink, but to not drink. And in that regard, I have that control, right? Like for lack of a better word, control over that because I've steered myself and my narrative is now going this direction. But all of it is consistent, right? Fundamentally, a lack of willpower. I have a lack of willpower to control my drinking, to control my addiction. And it's not simply because I've given it over to air quotes God it's because I've also registered, I don't even have a, I have no willpower, period, right? All of that is an illusion. And I've structured my life in a more calm and grounded way that I can navigate through without having to seize those reins and have this illusion of being in control. Because I think we've all experienced this to some extent where we we call it, grabbing control of the reins. We call it living in our ego. We call it like trying to, to like steer the ship, any number of things where we, we realize once things have settled down, once whatever chaotic emotions were going on in that moment have passed and we're able to like reflect on it and like, you know, Oh boy, you know, this is stuff where we wind up having to make amends because we're like running ramshod over other people's emotions because we want a certain thing. And so we're driving the ship and all of that, when we pull back, and we approach the next situation, a similar situation, and try and learn from that, fundamentally brings us to an awareness that if we're just calm and go with the flow, whatever you want to call it, things always work out easier. Things always feel more natural. They feel like they land where they're supposed to land. And part of why that feels more calm is we haven't thrown ourselves into the mix and gotten it all chaotic and, and driven by our own consum our own like overwhelming need to consume or whatever. You know, stepping back from that, that's kind of an acknowledgement that if I just get out of the way, things always work out better. And what does that mean for me to get out of the way, but to register that this sounds silly, but that I'm not even there, right? Like I'm just watching, I'm just experiencing, I'm, I'm, I'm having these, these thoughts, these emotions. And I'm, and if I'm present and I just flow along with them and I go where they clearly are intending to be going, things work out. Right? We, we, we call that, you know, people, some people call that God consciousness. Some people call that uh, I don't know what meditative state, like, you know, losing of the self, any number of things, but it's all self-consistent. And, and for me, it's an awareness that through recovery and through an objective contemplation of what I've experienced, it's 
recovery is like the purest explanation, the purest example of the lack of true free will in my life. And, you know, when I'm given the opportunity to talk to other people about it, I feel like the way they describe their own experiences are consistent with that. So anyway, that was my much too, I don't know what the right word is. I don't know how relatable all that is. I, it's one of these things that, that I, I've wanted to talk about for a little bit. And I think I've ref, kind of referenced loosely this idea and, and I just, I wanted to share my thoughts on, on, on a lack of free will and how it relates to my recovery. And yeah, I'm going to entitle this willpower because that's more line of sight to recovery, to staying sober, buried inside of it, similar to how my awareness was buried inside of my walking through recovery, buried inside of a lack of willpower is an awareness of a lack of free will in the first place. That's really all I wanted to say, and I hope it didn't uh, cause people out there to roll their eyes too hard. Maybe your eyes are popped back up to the front now, and you can carry on with the rest of your day. Um, And I really appreciate you guys listening, and uh, I hope some of that was resonated with you in a way that, like, maybe my words were clunky and didn't quite fit with your perspective on the world, but still resonated in a way that made sense for you. And, um, you know, if you're in early recovery, just go with the first half where I'm talking about willpower, willpower, willpower won't get you there. I I'm sorry. It just won't. I mean, we talk about any number of different things that we can do to find sobriety and find recovery. That is true. But any of them that rely on willpower, they're going to fall apart for you. They just are. And, I register that maybe that just sounds like my own uh, prejudice about it. Call it what you will. It feels like bona fide reality. You know, it feels just as true as saying, if I don't drink, I'm not going to get drunk. If I try and use willpower, I'm going to wind up getting drunk, right? It's just, it just is what it is. Um, so yeah, if you want to talk about any of this stuff or just reach out to me for any reason, uh, you can find me on Facebook. You can contact me through the eavesdrop podcast network. Um, but you know, I'm here. I love each and every one of you. Even if I don't particularly like maybe most of you, I still love you. And you know, this, this is, this is hard, right? Recovery is hard. Life is hard, you know, and, but it's, we only get one time through, right? And it's worth, it's worth it. Trying to, have a more positive experience it's worth it right because we only get this one shot at it and and why not so uh, yeah thank you so much for listening and enjoy the rest of your day Drop.